Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Who is the most famous person in the world? I'm sure somebody immediately comes to your mind, maybe even a couple of people. I decided to find out using the most famous tool in the world today, the internet. When I typed in the search, the site that came out first is called newidea.com. I decided to go there to find out what they would say. They had a list of the 10 most famous people. I'm going to give you just three and what they say about those three. Number three is Donald Trump. Here's what they say about him. Net worth $3.1 billion. Donald Trump was elected president of the United States in 2017 after the eight-year term of Barack Obama. But before he tried to make America great again, he was already one of the richest men and most famous men in the world. Whether you like him or not, he has the biggest net worth on the list. You may, net, you may know Trump from The Apprentice, but he's also famous for his billion-dollar real estate companies and his controversial tweets. Number two is Will Smith, net worth $300 million. Will Smith has been on everyone's radar since The Fresh Prince, but his launch into superstardom really began when he starred in big-budget blockbusters like Independence Day and Men in Black. Will Smith continues to act in massive blockbuster films and recently started his own YouTube channel. Number one, Dwayne Johnson, known as The Rock, is the most famous person in the world. He is worth $280 million. He became popular during his days as a WWE champion wrestler until he moved on to become a Hollywood movie star. In 2017, he was the second highest paid actor in the biz. His Instagram is full of workout videos, diet tips, and funny posts that keep him connected with fans of all ages. Did your most famous person make the list? Apparently, money does not qualify one to get on the top three. Jeff Bezos is not there. I don't know why Jesus didn't make the list. I thought he would definitely be number one without a doubt. Maybe being famous has to do with money, and when it comes to money, Jesus had none. He depended on the generosity of others. But it is not money exclusively, because the richest people in the world were not on the list except one. Maybe the requirement is to be a celebrity to enter the Famous People Hall of Fame. Jesus was not a celebrity. He went out of his way not to use his power and authority to make a name for himself. He was completely humble, making sure that his equality with God was not something he needed to grasp. Yet on this day, when he was about to enter Jerusalem for the last time in his earthly life, the crowds treated him like the greatest celebrity that has ever lived. It is not something we can ever forget. I mean, Hosanna, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. 
It is very memorable. Jesus had gone to the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus in Bethany, just about two miles from Jerusalem. The miracle he had performed by raising Lazarus from death four days after he had died had attracted a lot of followers. There were those extended family and friends who had actually witnessed the miracle. They did not need convincing as to who Jesus was, at least as far as his power was concerned. There were those who had heard about the miracle. Word travels fast. They had become curious. They wanted to see him and perhaps become his followers too. So there were those following him to Jerusalem and those coming from Jerusalem to meet him and continued with him there for the Passover celebration. There was going to be a huge crowd in Jerusalem for the festival. There always was because it was the greatest festival with the greatest significance. Josephus, the first century Jewish historian, gives some numbers for animals that were sacrificed and the number of people who were there for one particular Passover. They are truly staggering for a city the size of Jerusalem. According to him, there were 255,600 animals sacrificed and 2,700,000 people for that festival in Jerusalem. The number of people does not include those he describes as defiled and foreigners. Now, to be sure, Josephus is known to exaggerate in his accounts. So it is believed that the numbers he has given for that Passover celebration are probably exaggerated too. But certainly, a lot of people went to Jerusalem for the Passover celebration. For the crowd that day, it was like a victory celebration. It was like a king had come back after defeating a mighty and dreaded army. Back then, people would wave palm branches as a symbol of victory with shouts and cheers all around the city to welcome the king back. The king would be riding on a horse that stood tall and mighty and pranced around with pride. That's the way you do it, with the appropriate chanting of praise. That's the way the people were doing as they waved upon branches, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, blessed is the king of Israel. He had won victory over death by raising Lazarus back to life with a simple command. Now he's on his way to Jerusalem to overthrow that yoke of oppression, the Roman occupation. That's the way the crowd saw it. What a great victory that would be. But Jesus was not riding on a tall, mighty war horse. He was riding on a donkey's coat that had not even been ridden before. It had not been near a war before, but that did not dampen the celebration. Why? Because the people remembered what was written in the scripture. Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's coat. That donkey is important to what Jesus' victory was, was all about. His actual disciples were probably a little bit disappointed by Jesus deciding to ride on that baby donkey. They did not understand what was going on with a donkey instead of a mighty horse. But it didn't take long for them to come to understand. A week later, they did. The resurrection happened. That is what verse 16 says. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize 
that these things had been written about him, and that these things had been done to him. That young donkey seems to detract from the great victory celebration. It is easy to keep our focus on the palms and all the people shouting and waving them and thinking that the donkey was out of place, did not belong there. But we can focus on that donkey at least for a moment longer because it contrasts the enemies Jesus came to defeat. The donkey was gentle and humble. The enemies were not. The obvious enemies were the Romans who had conquered Israel and had soldiers all over the place. The time had come for this ruthless enemy to be overthrown to get them off their backs. The time had come, so they thought, for Israel to get back to its glory days when David was king. They will be free forever. Hosanna to the son of David. While it is true that the Romans were enemies, there was a greater enemy. Their own people, the religious people, the Pharisees in this case. They were extremely unhappy about what was going on that day. They were already upset with Jesus raising Lazarus back to life. Together with the chief priests, they had made plans to put Lazarus to death because in their mind, he had made Jesus even more famous. On account of Lazarus, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. So in the midst of the great joy of the large crowd cheering for Jesus, the Pharisees said to one another, see, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. They were filled with jealousy and hatred and self-preservation. The people would worship this person coming into town, riding on the donkey as God and king. They were concerned that what was going on with Jesus riding on the donkey symbolized the arrival of the long-awaited king. They were afraid that the crowd's reaction to Jesus could soon lead to a riot. And if that happened, the Romans would react with force disproportionate to what the crowd might do. And people would get killed. And they would lose their privileged position as leaders of the people. If the whole world goes after Jesus, then no one would follow them anymore. The leadership was filled with fear, greed, anger, jealousy, hatred, all rolled into one. They believed they must do something about it. Otherwise, the whole world would indeed go after Jesus if they had not already done so at this point. We realize, of course, that these negative emotions were in the disciples of Jesus too. These emotions were present in the crowd too, even though for, for the moment, it was only the emotion of joy that was most apparent. They saw their need for Jesus. The statement the Pharisees made applies to them. They were part of the whole world. The whole world has gone after him. Jesus came to reach into the secret and dark places of people's hearts and shine his perpetual light through it to remove it. He did not come to do it only for the large crowd present that day or only for his disciples, but for the upset Pharisees as well, and for you and me. Yes, for us too, 
For we too have the same things in us. Greed, anger, hatred, jealousy, fear. They may be well hidden most of the time, but they are there. They are present in every single person on this earth. Such things are enemies of Jesus. They are in us, and Satan also keeps them going. Jesus' ride on the donkey that day was part of his defeating this perpetual enemy, Satan, to snatch us from peril so that we would not spend eternity under punishment, but eternity under Jesus with joy and peace. That goal includes defeating the last enemy, death. Yes, riding on that donkey, the statement made by the Pharisees concerning Jesus is true. The whole world has gone after him. Even better, he has gone after the whole world because only he could do it. He went to war for you. In humility, he rode into the center of the war. He did not resort to any kind of violence on an animal of peace because he himself was the man of peace. He emptied himself of his almighty power. He was arrested, manhandled, mocked, whipped, hanged on a cross. A curse was on him because of you and me. He died. He was buried. He did not fake death or just become unconscious, as some people say. He truly died. There is a legend about the donkey that Jesus rode into Jerusalem. It is assumed to be a Nubian donkey. That donkey has a cross on its back. According to the legend, the donkey knew that Jesus was facing a trial and much suffering. Seeing the tragic event of Jesus' crucifixion, the donkey wished it had been able to carry the cross for Jesus and bear his burden. The donkey could not bear the sight of the cross and turn his head away until it was finished. The legend says that Jesus rewarded the loyal and humble donkey for its love for him. He caused the shadow of the cross to fall across the back of the donkey, hence the cross. If you ever see a donkey or a picture of a donkey with a cross marking, may that remind you of the love of Jesus for you. Now, if Jesus had remained dead and buried in the tomb, this event that has come to be known as Palm Sunday would have been joyous, but only for that moment. But as it is, it was leading to the greatest victory that has ever been won, a victory of eternal consequence. As you know, he rode on the donkey to go die. As we just sung, ride on, ride on in majesty, in lowly, lowly pomp, ride on to die. But he also rode on to his resurrection, and that is for you. He lives, and because he lives, you too shall live forever. Oh yes, you may die before he comes again, but he has made an unbreakable promise to you. He will come and raise you up with a cry of command that death cannot resist. The celebration that began on his ride on that humble donkey with shouts of Hosanna will get louder and louder until he comes again. For indeed, the whole world has gone after him. Better yet, he has gone after the whole world with his perfect love. And that world includes you. Amen.